Welcome to Belief Busters Podcast, where we change the world one belief at a time. True transformation happens when we question if the beliefs we hold are of truth, or simply someone else's belief that we have internalized as our own. I'm your host, Rev. Cherie Taylor-Jones, and I'm glad you could join us on the journey. I'm super excited because we've got Martha Creek in the house again. You know how I love me some Martha. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Martha. She is Reverend Dr. Martha Creek, and it is her sincere mission to serve. And it's really evident in how she joins others in all aspects of their humanity as a peaceful presence, no matter the circumstances with a clear understanding that each of us is fully equipped and exists in an infinite possibility field. Martha is inspired and motivated to offer practices and insights that promote balance, autonomy, mindfulness, and a solid foundation for living. Martha is no stranger to challenging situations. She facilitates churches and organizations in the midst of conflict and change, individuals in emotional, financial, physical, and spiritual distress, and extraordinary people in struggles with day-to-day challenges looking for another way. Martha is dedicated to serving individuals in realizing their full potential. Welcome, Martha. Thank you very much. Not only is Martha dedicated to that, Martha is on it. So she's on her own unfolding and her own becoming. And it's a full-time job for me. So I love that anybody could benefit by me doing my own work. Amen, amen, amen. And what we thought we would talk about today is really looking at how prone the mind is to blame. You know, those thoughts and judgments that we have, that we hold on to, it's their fault. It's my fault. It shouldn't have happened that way. And so I guess my first question to you, Martha, is what do you think is our conditioning that creates this kind of mind flow? I think it's beyond conditioning because I see it in these children. I've got some children in my orbit now that are all under the age of seven. Mm-hmm. And I've watched them anytime anything happens. Like I wa- literally watched one of them throw a, a, a part of a bubble making machine up on the roof. <laughs> then they walked right in the house and said, the other one that wasn't out there did it. Oh my gosh. So this, this started early. So I believe it's a, I think it's our belief that we're going to get in trouble, that we're not going to be okay, that somebody's going to judge us, hate us, whip us, Mm -hmm. punish us in some way. So anybody that we can pin this on, and it's likely going to be somebody that wasn't there, or likely somebody that's in a more vulnerable state than we are, or in this case, it was the youngest. So the Uh oldest were pinning it on the youngest, Uh even though he wasn't there. And then not even a month ago, Um, There was a spill. Somebody, one of them spilled. There's only one kid here in the house. They spilled juice or whatever it was. And they said, it's so-and-so's fault. (laughs) Like on that Brene Brown video that she says, damn you, Steve, which is her husband. You can look that up if you want to Google (laughs) Brene Brown blaming. So nobody, those people weren't even around and they blamed them. So this is how quick it is. So I don't deny question, you know, conditioning and all that. You know, there's so many questions about nature versus, versus nurture. nurture. Yes. And 
I know that we're wired uh, just of hair above an animal. And I don't mean cats and dogs. I mean, you know, I say that we are not even as enlightened as cats and dogs and dolphins. Uh, we're, <laughs> this is more like a reptilian lizard. We're just a hair above that. Got to got to blame, got to fight, got to pin it somewhere, got to be afraid, got to panic, got to shut down, got to get out of here, whatever it is. And blaming is the step just above that that says I can stay as long as I pin this on somebody and make this somebody else's fault. And I honestly believe that it's because of how much we blame ourselves too, that mm -hmm. we're afraid that we're the cause of something and we're afraid to be the cause of it. And that hurts so badly that that pain's got to be displaced on somebody. And, and that research that I, that I referred to yesterday in the workshop I was doing she says it's a discharge. Blaming is a discharge of discomfort. Yes. Discomfort and pain. So when you look at it, that nuts and boltish, like it's my discomfort, is going to cause me to blame. Then conditioning, certainly, if I see it. Um, and then we add things like, well, she blamed me, so now I got to blame her. Mm -hmm. Or I'm open the door, so the next time around, I'm going to pin it on her. So it starts with that kind of discomfort, the natural discomfort we have when we panic about something or don't get our way, um, even like a, its own flavors of tantruming. Yeah. And who knows, honey, then what, what, no, what effect the conditioning has on it. But I think it's far, far more primary than that. And I don't deny that conditioning has right. a base of it. Right. So we're talking about layers, it sounds like, you know, of just the human experience. Part of how we are programmed as homo sapiens has an aspect of that. And then combined with our family systems and society and everything else gets really compounded. And now it now the question really is, once we become somewhat aware that we are in that judgment zone, what steps would you suggest to help people facilitate shifting from that? Well, anything that you can, you know, I've, I've been at this. All the time. <laughs> I really work it. And then things include practically that I do is to pr try to bring a little humor to it. And there's a scene in my family where my mother lived and dad live in a small, in a small four room house. So mm -hmm. we left the kitchen, we go to the living room to sit there. And my mom was still in the living room and there was hummingbird water in a pan cooling to go in the hummingbird feeders. Okay. And she yelled out from in there, who emptied the water? And I said, Shirley did it. <laughs> Who's my sister-in-law and her eyeballs got as big as plates. And she said, I didn't empty it. I didn't empty it. <laughs> and I said, well, we take turns around here. So we've been blamed this week, so you take a turn, okay? You just take your turn. This is all turntable here. So I've done everything to try to bring a little levity to it, a little humor to it. Um, I've also just named it. Like, I, I'm, I'm really regretful of how I said that. I just caught myself blaming you. Mm -hmm. And you're not responsible for my response. You're not responsible for the way this made me feel or how that fell on me. So mm -hmm. I just caught that I was holding you responsible for that. I don't want to do that. Um, I just noticed that um, I just had this, uh, some surgery, skin surgery, and I'd called in advance to get them to send the records. And it, it, my intuition had me to call them twice. It's okay. like it wouldn't leave me. Yeah. 
they assured me they had sent it and, and confirmed the number in the office and everything had been sent to. Then I called the office that was supposed to have received it twice. Yes. To confirm that it was there. Then when I got up there that day to have the surgery, an hour and a half to drive up there, they didn't have the records. Yikes. And then the, the instinct to go like, <sighs> after all I've done and, <laughs> and be crossing my T's and dotting my I's yes. and blah, 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 blah. And it's like human beings doing what human beings have done. And my blaming them is not going to move me in the direction of my goals here, mm-hmm. which is to sort this out and to get these medical records. So the more time I spend blaming them and shaming them and guilting them of their incompetency right. and how their systems are off and whatever else, then I'm not using that energy to say, how could we quickly get those records over here? Right. Can you fax them? Can they be emailed to what yes. address? And then I went, when I don't blame and I can circuit break that, I can go right in the direction of what was solved this. Yes. So then with practice, this Things still happen. Of course, things still happen. It's going to happen all the way through our life. The difference is the pain is quicker to transition. The discomfort of that, the uncomfortability of that still comes, but it transitions. The pain of that, the transitions are quicker. And maybe more importantly than that, unless you're into pain, um, (laughs) is that things are resolvable. Yes. They're resolvable, 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 resolve it. So instead of then getting all, you know, stuck in that and spinning around in that, it's like, what can I do from, from, from here? I've also done many, many deep inner process work to look back at what the judgments and the sorrows and the regrets and the hates and all that, that I had against people in the world, my family, Mm -hmm. my parents, siblings, anybody else in the world, and done all matters of forgiveness and all matters of relating to them and what I could learn from observing their life Mm -hmm. and what they had been through to see, to get understanding about why they would have done the things they did. Yes. So then instead of blaming, I'm more apt to understand, which doesn't mean I wouldn't take action. It doesn't mean I wouldn't put somebody in jail doesn't mean I wouldn't file a charge against somebody if, if something was critical or really problematic or something, but I can do it with less angst. Yeah. So the action may be up to the conscious action may be the same, but it's certainly going to be with less blaming and displacing. And that means a lot less drama, a lot less exaggerating And honestly, and particularly for those of us that claim we want peace and harmony in the world, Mm -hmm. it's like if we continue to do this, we're putting the exact opposite in the world. So then if something happened today and I don't circuit break it and let it end right there, if I don't get a period in there, they didn't send the medical records, period. Yes. Then I'm putting in the world more violence, more hate more disgust, more irritation, more frustration. And if quantum theory is accurate, then I've just created that in the world. I've just caused that in the world. And it's the last thing in the world I want to cause in the world. So it means if I've either got to grow up out of some of that and repattern myself to say, 
I got to get a period in there. They didn't send the records, period. And there's, there's no pain in that much. Then it's like, what, what's, what would resolve this? Yes. What would be sane, sensible action here and then to go in that direction or to absolutely stay in the blaming and then the allure, not only to blame them, but to talk about that all afternoon. Can you believe what happened yeah. after all yeah. I did and after all my calls and look at what I did and look what I had to do. And then that day's over. Then somebody says, hey, Martha, had that surgery. Go, well, you'll never believe it. So then off I go again. And then so that and the mind doesn't know the difference of that help happened once or 20 times. The more I tell it, the body is responding to the, me telling it. So the cortisol, those chemicals, those things that are coursing through our system are coursing through with me telling the story, even though it's as over as it's ever going to be. So I'm keeping my stress alive, so to speak. Correct. I really like what you're talking about, that this is an ongoing process. It's not like you figure it out one time and it's complete and you hit enlightenment like so many of us <laughs> tend to think. It's an ongoing everyday being conscious and making those decisions and making those choices. And I really love what you say. The more that we do this work, it's not that it doesn't happen again. It will happen. But now we've got a fast track to resolution, a fast track of moving from that pain into, all right, so how can we make this a win-win situation? Absolutely. And I, I read that yesterday from Dr. David Hawkins, who I study and I continue to study years later, decades later, and, and bring forward once a month. Anybody can find that on the website. And what, that's his basically his quote about it, that this process, this process that you're describing, honey, that we call spirituality mm -hmm. or enlightenment. And maybe that's a our next show, if we do one together again, honey, like there's such a thing as enlightenment, you know, right. like it's a destination versus Correct. no, it's a direction to go in. Amen. So this process of spirituality where we're working through these obstacles are going, it's going to be painful at times. Right. And then to, to let, to build some resilience and grit for those times of painfulness, knowing that it's transitional, knowing it will actually pass based on direct experience, the deepest pain we ever had past right and then the, as the mistakes now reappear they're resolvable we're more likely to move toward resolution what would resolve this and um with devotion and practice we get to recontextualize this yeah. and to do so from a higher understanding and if it's nothing if it's no more higher than my blaming them is going to keep me bound in this pain that could be a good enough reason Yes, it could. Just that kind of higher understanding. I don't have to get into, oh, they did the best they can. And that was seven generations down. It's like, go there if you can. But in the meantime, it's just like blaming hurts. Blaming keeps me bound in the stress. And then retelling it keeps me, keeps it even globbed on. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of my vital life, life force has been spent in that instead of what it is. So this process can be shortened, yes. can be less painful. If and to the degree that we realize that these habitual responses, these instinctual habitual responses are in fact, not just theoretically, not personal, 
Mm -hmm. They're truly not personal. And they are all 100% part and parcel of the inheritance of being a human. Correct. So that's my key word for this month, which is humanize. Humanize the behavior, humanize the attitudes, humanize their actions, including my own. Mm -hmm. So what just happened out there? Human happened. What's going on in her attitude? Humanness. Right. What's going on in that grief? Humanness. Right. What's going on in that hate? Humanness. When I look at the pandemic, you know, that we hope that we were finished with, but we're still kind of dealing with it, right? It's still prevalent, but it's almost like people have forgotten to be resilient a little bit, you know, that there's some short fuses going on, like there's microaggressions that's going on as well. Can you, can you put some context to that for us? Yeah, stop it. Stop it, because then we got um, COVID and that to, to navigate. <laughs> and I, I absolutely see it. I experience it. And frankly, I have it in, as my own inner experience. So I've had to dial up my own spiritual practices. The Say, thing more. That, Say more about well, the that. The things that I used to do to regulate myself, to keep myself more centered and neutral, haven't worked this past year. So I could take a short meditation or use a mantra or deep breathing, very basic, but very effective ways of dealing with this inquiry, cognitive behavioral therapy, belief busters. I have done these things for years and the things that I've done that worked well, that generally kept me fairly functional, didn't have the same effect. I didn't have the same use of my brain. I could, I could only read in short segments. Mm -hmm. I couldn't read a lot of material. I couldn't focus the same way I did. I would, I used to work 12 or 16 hours a day with primarily ease Mm -hmm. without a lot of exhaustion or anything. And that wasn't the case anymore. So the scientists say that we've had, the brain has been frazzled. The front part of the brain has been frazzled during this time because we had all of that sorted out and all of that, the apple cart got turned over. So we don't know where to go, when to go, if we can go, how do we go, mask, are they open, closed, is it eat in, is it take away, what am I going to do right. with these kids, they got to go to school, they can't go to school, I got to go to work, I can't go to work, I got to work here, I can't work here, because, so everything that had been sorted out in ducks in a row, mm-hmm. all got thrown in a pile somewhere, and it had required resorting, so yes. we didn't have the stamina, the same resilience that some of us had. We didn't have it. We don't have the same bandwidth currently as we had when things were what they say normal. But what you're talking about is all those things that we did automatically that we didn't have to use our brain to figure out because we were just on automatic routine, which then allowed us to be able to to work differently, right? And, and free us up so much. And then now nothing was automatic pilot anymore. And our brain had to keep figuring it out for every little thing. And not to mention everybody is on every last nerve I have. (laughs) Need some space here. It's like, well, there there isn't any. Yes. You know, we'll take a walk. And it's like, well, that lasted about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now what am I going to do? It's something for anybody to be able to have some resilience right now. That's the good news of it. You know, that the brain will heal. It's already healing. Mm -hmm. It's already reformulating itself. And you see it in people. 
you see they've got a little more spaciousness to them. They're, yes. I say they're less likely to eat their young. <laughs> they're less likely to eat their offspring because <laughs> we're just a hair above that reptilian. True that. Functioning now. And the thing that I got that was seemed the most true this past week is this not to fall under some kind of spell that we're at the end of a marathon. Mm-hmm. We have finished a marathon and we're weary from it and feet are bleeding and the knees are hurting and whatever else. And we have just started another one. Yes. So here's your new number. Here's your new course. So is this resilience that you're speaking about is wise. And then what I would encourage me as I hear it again today, it's one of my favorite words too. And honestly, I've said it so many times. It's, it's my, besides resourcefulness, I, I can it to resourcefulness. It's my favorite part of us humans. Just how much we can bear and mm-hmm. will and brush ourselves off yes. and get back up and go back at it, do one more thing, make one more meal, you know, cut one more blade of grass, like get a book written, get whatever can be done, done, just do what we ever we can muster. But so far, humans have proved that there's some with an uncommon, uncommon grit and an uncommon resilience. Yes. And an uncommon resourcefulness, even through pain and loss and torture and other very extreme things and tiredness and exhaustion to find a little breath here and there that Mm -hmm. they can ride the wind of to get to jump on that breath and let that breath do whatever it can do. Any practices that you would suggest? To help us as we continue into this next marathon. Get a little light, more lighthearted and looking at how I blame and how quick it is and simply say, okay, in this situation, I'm not going to blame anybody. So if I go out there to start my car and the tire's flat, yes. I'm not going to blame anybody for it. I'm not going to blame myself, the people yeah. that put the tire on. I'm not going to blame the car maker. I'm not going to blame the nail and the tire. I'm going to say tire flat. Now, what would resolve this? Yes. What would a sane, sensible person do here? I'm also going to interrupt the allure to talk about that. Mm-hmm. To co-miserate. Yes. To stop co-miserating. And to stop awfulizing. Awfulizing. To stop hmm. awfulizing. So it's like, let me one-up you. You know, it's like, oh my God, I was sick for four days, had temperature 104. It's like, girl, seven days for me, temperature 107. <laughs> my husband wouldn't even like bring soup to my bed. So yes. it's like this one-upping misery, commiserating and awfulizing to absolutely see it and honestly to catch the allure of it. What is that allure, Martha? Well, we get juiced out of it. It's an addictive process that this allure is where we're getting high, so to speak. So getting to be miserable, to tell it, ain't it awful? Mm-hmm. Uh, look, how, look how I've been oversighted, left out. There's juice from that. Um, chemicals. And this it's the same chemicals, according to the scientist, it's the same chemicals that drug addicts get Yes, off taking those things that you get high off of. So we're getting high off misery. We're just the last to know. So then it's like, okay, I've got some sobering up to do here. And then what would be even better than that high? What would be better than that juice that I'm getting off this yes. frustration and irritation and how annoyed I am and the juice I get, I get off of that to say, there's a, there's even a better juice than that. And that's like watching all this, staying observant about this yes. and more objective to it 
and letting it burn off instead of me jumping on the wagon and me then talking about it the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and putting more of that through my own system and putting more of that into the field of humanity. Yes. And then stand up on Sunday and say, let peace begin Begin with me. me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I could practice. Correct. There's one. (laughs) Let peace begin with me, which, and and please, please don't mistake that as suppress feeling. No, not at all. Feeling or disown feeling, but it's like how to have the feelings and the feelings not have me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm in the Beatitudes again. And mm-hmm. one of the, from the Thomas gospel, it speaks about, and some, some of the other gospels said differently, we as humans have to devour the lion. And if we don't devour the lion, the lion will devour us. And a term that then is like domestication, like this aspect of ourself that is more reptilian to bring some domestication to that. Just like, I'm not, no, like don't, don't do that. No. So less blaming, less fault finding, less nitpicking, less sensitivity, less reactivity, less irritation. And then the emotions come, the emotions are fine. And most of the emotion that we have, we don't have to do a thing about it. They'll actually rise and pass mm-hmm. if, if we can give them a little room. Yes. Thank you for that. I really appreciate the insight. And I think it's something that is so timely for us in our level of evolution as human beings, you know, to really be able to look at what choices do we have? Because we do have choices. Sometimes we get so caught up in that runaway train of thought, right? That we don't even realize that we have the choice to stop the train, get off at the platform, and then look at the train. Absolutely. And you're really onto something because there's times that I didn't, I had a choice, but wasn't aware of it because of my instinct. Yes. There's times that I don't have a choice. You know, Carl Jung wrote about this in his understanding of the mind that he believed that we had a will that we had will that we could our willpower could trump this kind of underworld and one of the experiments was to put a small snake in plexiglass so the logical mind could see there's no risk here right they cannot harm me there's nothing threatening me here and he had put the snake up to the face and in every time when the snake struck, yes. <laughs> so then we can be like attempting to will ourselves not to jump. We can see there's no threat and we've still got that. Mm-hmm. So then there's times that we actually can choose that says, okay, in this situation here, I just caught myself blaming. And then the mind formulated how far goes back it goes. So I can blame everybody that's ever been in my experience. Or I can say, I'm stopping that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go down a blaming road, which keeps me bound in the discomfort, bound in the pain. And it also keeps me putting it out into the world. And I'm not going to do it. I've mm-hmm. patterned my relationship with them. Carolyn Mays calls it woundology. Mm-hmm. That's how we're bound to one another. Like, tell me your woes from this week. Then 
I'll listen, pretend to listen for a minute, then I'll one up you right on the woe so I can out misery you. Um, while I'm waiting for you to stop telling me how awful yours was, so I can <laughs> tell you you don't know what awful is yet. Right. Versus there's some of us that can say, I'm not going to awfulize that. And I and I'm not going to speak it again. I'm not even going to talk about it and tell it unless it's moving me toward my own goals, mm. which is that I may reflect on it to see how was it I did that? Mm-hmm. And how did I move quickly to resolution? And that I wouldn't have been able to move toward resolution, resolvability, if I'd have went down that other path. Yeah. Of ain't this just awful? And after all I've done to prevent this, and here yes. I am. One of my friends' husband passed not just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And each conversation is about what the doctors didn't do. Ooh, and the painful. torture of that, the pain yes. of that, the pain of that. And that's that's how shocking it could be. Like if she just stopped blaming the doctors yes. and looked at her own grief and her own loss, and she may never, she may never, I don't know. I just yes. know that I can't do it for her. And I've got to accept that she may take blaming the doctors all the way to her grave. Right. I can't know that either. Right. Yeah. So I got to stop myself, though, from blaming her or blaming, blaming them. them. Amen. And yes. judging her for judging them. them. Yes. And criticizing her for criticizing them versus this is her humanness. This is how she's wired. And she may ride this all the way to her end of her life. And I'm learning from it and catching myself and making what I make right and wrong and what I blame. And that's a full-time job. That's a beautiful way to end this conversation, Martha. Thank you so much. I also know that you've got a new endeavor that you're super, super excited about. So tell our listeners about it, if you would. Well, I am excited for several reasons. A book is out in my name. Pearls. Martha's Pearls. A spiritual approach for living. These photos I've taken, all of them, and it's full of photos, the ones on the front. And then through here, there's loads and loads of pictures. And they came out beautiful. The colors mm-hmm. are vibrant. So I'm very tickled with how they printed. They're all shot from my cell phone. So it's a way to get that out in the world. It's also hopefully encouraging to, to do what means something to you that would make your tail wag. So one of my spiritual practices is to look for life and the proof of life, even when things are eroding and corroding and diminishing and even with people dying and the loss of people and health and other things to look for the proof of life. So most of the pictures I pick are proof of life for me mm-hmm. and how life uh, is unfolding itself. Um, it's also a way to get them out in the world. They were all shot with just me out in the world. I'm not trained as a photographer or anything. And they've the photos themselves have gotten professional acclaim without my intent for it to do that. And the book itself is, is practical. It is newsletters that I've written over the years and that somebody said, they're so good, Martha, put them in a book, put them in a book, put them in a book. And I said, you put them in a book. <laughs> so she gathered up her favorite ones, made a Word document out of it, and I basically handed it over to a master that got this formula formed and formulated and formatted and got it up to Kindle through Amazon and 
got it in the top 43 of the 100 downloads in a few days and other things like that. He did exactly what he said would do, which would get it in the top 40, in the top 100, which it went, it was already at 43 in just a few weeks. So the, what's most exciting about it is it moves me further and further into my own goals for my life, for my humanness, for my incarnation here, which is to serve those who serve and to get empowered teachings to the whole of the planet. So the book will reach places I cannot reach. It'll reach yes. people I don't know that would never be in my presence, that would not be in attendance. It's already up for some award in the UK, all because that I did what I was guided to do. Newsletters to continue doing what I could to get empowered teachings to the whole of the planet. Right, now right. the book is in form and now it'll reach people I couldn't reach. So that's what's most exciting about it. Beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. Right on the website, MarthaCreek.com, as well as the classes, whatever the facilitations I do, there's classes that do, do not require registration that you're welcome to participate in anytime offered throughout the month and the books available there and how to get that to. And that's at MarthaCreek.com. That's right. All right. Martha, thank you so much for joining us today and really having an insightful conversation. We really appreciate it. Thank you for doing this, your work, and it's absolute privilege to serve with you and to love you and to grow in that love and appreciation for you. So knock those beliefs out. One <laughs> and let's, we'll take down a whole clump of them here and there. For the Belief Buster Posse, we just are so excited to come to you and really give you some options that can support you in living the life that you deserve. If you are enjoying these conversations about assessing your belief systems and how to transform outdated beliefs, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. To support this podcast and its transformative work, you can also become a sponsor for as little as $5 a month. You can reach Rev Cherie at info at beliefbusterspodcast.org. To continue on this journey of evolution, you can also get my book, Turning Your Why Into Why Not, at Amazon or any other bookstores, which gives you practical tools to do this work. See you next time on the flip side.